Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up tonight, Wall Street surging today after inflation numbers were lower than expected for October. Will the Federal Reserve slow down its rate hikes? We have analysis. Investors are losing millions of dollars in FTX. Which company is the latest? And Elon Musk reveals big details on Twitter's future. He gives us his plans on fighting troll farms, monetizing content, and bringing 80% of humanity on board. Then much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us, Don Ma here. Our top story today, stocks rallied big time on Wall Street after the latest inflation data. It could open the door for the Federal Reserve to slow its interest rate hikes, and we'll have more on that in just a moment. The Nasdaq and the S&P 500 racked up their biggest daily percentage gains in about two and a half years. The Dow rose over 1,200 points, or three and seven tenths of a percent. S&P 500 gained 208 points, or five and a half percent, and the Nasdaq is up 761 points, or seven and four tenths of a percent. The closely watched consumer inflation data is out today, and it rose less than expected in October. Month over month, consumer prices increased 0.4%, and compared to a year ago, it's up 7.7%. Energy prices rose last month. They contributed the most to inflation. Shelter costs also rose faster than the overall consumer prices. But prices for used cars and clothing did come down a bit. Some analysts say this is the strongest sign yet that inflation is moderating. This could allow the Federal Reserve to dial back its interest rate hikes. And now joining us live to talk about inflation is Chance Finucane. He's the chief investment officer at Oxbow Advisors. So, so Chance, you, you, you at uh, Oxbow, are, are you making adjustments to your portfolio because of today's news? It might surprise people, but we actually trimmed a little bit of our equity portfolios today for clients. We think, despite this being a nice relief rally for stock investors everywhere, that we don't think this is the end of the bear market we've all been experiencing in 2022. Uh, You still have the Federal Reserve and other central banks raising interest rates. And typically, in a bear market, you don't bottom and start making a, a new bull market until after the Federal Reserve has stopped hikes and actually started cutting rates for a good while. So then what do you make of the market's reaction? seems like it's pretty sure of a less aggressive Fed. Is this an overreaction? We would consider it an overreaction. We understand that because the inflation number came in less than expected, everyone thinks that, okay, inflation may resolve itself. The Fed doesn't have to be so tight with its policy, and therefore things are going to be okay. But you still have rates increasing. You have economic growth slowing into next year, which we think is going to make for a difficult environment. So in our mind, we think this is just going to be a, a continued tough period for at least several more quarters. So do you think uh, perhaps inflation is moderating or it could be on a downward trend? You're right. It is moderating. It is on a downward trend. Uh, but we think part of that is that you just have growth. If you're heading into a recession, which is sort of what the Federal Reserve has been trying to create here as a means of getting inflation down, that means you're bringing down real GDP growth as well. We think that's going to make for a new problem in 2023 where you're dealing with more recessionary conditions that inflation will be lower, but you're still going to have trouble with growth. The second question is, how far does inflation come down? We can see inflation falling below 5% into the middle of next year, but you still have many components of inflation that are still rising at a 5 or 6% rate. 
So it may not get back to that 2% level that the Fed's hoping for as soon as possible. But do you think this, this new number, is this beginning of possibly a Fed pivot? Could we see a 50 basis point hike from the Fed in December? I think 50 basis points in December is expected. It's funny, though, with the language and the narrative that's happening right now. Back in March, when they first started raising interest rates, the idea of them doing a 50 basis point hike, that was supposed to be really uh, hawkish, be a real concern for the economy. Now, after several 75 basis point hikes in a row, the fact that they might curve back to doing 50 basis points next month is considered a positive. So in our mind, a pivot means that they are actually cutting interest rates. Here, even though they're not going to raise by 75 next month, they're still raising interest rates. And we haven't even gotten to the pause yet where they might just let interest rates stay somewhere around four and a half to five percent sometime next year. What do you think the Fed is looking at in this report? Well, I think they probably are happy to see that inflation is coming down and hope that it'll come down more quickly. They typically are looking at the core inflation numbers, and it's actually the core PCE number that'll come out later this month that Chairman Powell has said that he pays the most attention to. That's at a 5% annual inflation right now, and he wants to get the federal funds rate above that level. So he needs that core PCE number to come back down to 4% or a little lower so that he can get the federal funds rate above it, uh, which probably won't happen until sometime next year. Now, Chance, just one last thing. This is unrelated, but I just want to get your thoughts on it. It doesn't seem like the stock market is affected by the crisis at FTX. Is it the crypto exchange? They do seem like two separate things. We'll see if there's any sort of a carryover effect. I imagine there are investors that like to speculate in cryptocurrencies and also other stocks that uh, are going to be more volatile. But uh, I don't think it has a broad impact on the stock market. I think the bigger thing to take away from this is in a tightening monetary environment, especially where the U.S. dollar is appreciating over the course of this year compared to other currencies, it makes it a difficult environment for cryptocurrencies to do well. And this is sort of a knock-on effect of seeing an exchange that was mismanaged and, uh, and going through a, a really difficult stretch. All right. Chance Vanuken, thank you. Good seeing you again. Thank you, Don. Now, the crisis at crypto exchange FTX continues to unfold. Investors in the company are losing money big time. Venture capital giant Sequoia said it's, make, it's marking down the value of its entire stake in FTX down to zero. The stake was previously a little over $210 million. Sequoia says it doesn't have a lot of exposure to the company. FTX is only in one of its funds, and within that fund, FTX represents less than 3% of of the capital. FTX is one of the biggest crypto exchanges in the world. The recent crisis started when news broke that its founder was using a made-up cryptocurrency as collateral to borrow liquid forms of currency. And one thing led to another, and FTX customers started withdrawing money in, in a bank-run style exodus, according to Bloomberg. FTX would need $4 billion to stay solvent. Sequoia isn't the only company losing money over FTX. One crypto expert says big names like BlackRock, Tiger Global, SoftBank all have investment in FTX. In light of what happened, Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler told CNBC that crypto investors are getting hurt because this is a space where regulation is not always observed. I think that investors need better 
protection in this space. But I would say this. This is a field that's significantly non-compliant, but it is, it's got regulation, and those regulations are often very clear. FTX Chief Executive Officer Sam Bankman-Fried told employees he was exploring all options for his firm after, after a bailout deal with cryptocurrency exchange Binance collapsed on Wednesday. He said, quote, I'm working as quickly as I can on next steps. I'm exploring all options. And some big Twitter updates. The latest is Musk will remove all blue check marks that haven't paid for in the next coming months. Musk said this is because too many corrupt check marks exist. So many famous people could lose those check marks, which many consider a status symbol. This comes after a new one hour Q&A session where Musk discussed many of his ideas for the company. He said that Twitter has a tremendous amount of untapped potential. He even wonders if he can get 80% of all of humanity on the platform. And he's probably going to have to think big to make those annual $1 billion interest payments. He began by giving more details on the new $8 blue checkmark system. And to confirm, yes, anyone with a credit card and phone will be able to get a blue checkmark. So having a blue checkmark obviously won't make you as special as it used to be. Musk says this eliminates the lords and peasants system in which those blue check marks were treated more seriously than those without. And Musk wants as many people as possible to be verified. And it's not just about getting $8 from everyone. It's also a way to fight Twitter's bot and troll farm problem. There's hundreds of millions of, of fake accounts that are created every year at Twitter. Most of them are blocked, but not all of them. Um, the, the, the issue is that creating a fake account um, is, is just extremely cheap. It's, it maybe is a, a tenth of a penny or just some very small amount of money. By sort of charging $8 a month, um, it raises the cost of a, a bot or troll by somewhere between 1000 and 10000 so then if almost everyone is verified, then everyone without blue check marks, including bots and trolls, would be taken less seriously. Meanwhile, bots and trolls who do get the blue check mark will be providing Musk another revenue stream. Though Musk says he will be extremely vigorous in eliminating deception. Impersonators have already appeared, fake accounts for LeBron James, Nintendo of America, even Donald Trump have been seen with blue check marks next to their names. The Trump account tweeted, quote, this is why Elon Musk's plan doesn't work. The accounts have since been suspended and Twitter is now $24 richer. Musk also said he's very excited about a new way to fight misinformation. This is a big problem on social media. It's a system called Community Notes. Basically, people who sign up can add notes to tweets they think are misleading. The contributors can write why they think the tweet is misleading and provide links to relevant sources. And they can rate each other's notes. This way, the notes that most people find helpful will be on the top. It's a game changer, in my view. This is really going to help in, um, in, in improving the accuracy of what's said on the system. It's analogous to the way sort of page rank works in Google, um, where the the, the if the prominence of a web page is proportionate to 
uh, how much weight other prominent web pages give that web page. And also very interesting is Musk proposed ideas on bringing more money onto the platform. For example, giving content creators the opportunity to monetize their content. So if you want to watch someone's one hour video on Twitter, you may have to pay them in the future. Content creators can earn money this way. Do you want to send money to, so, or money to someone else within Twitter? Um, and maybe we pre-populate the, their account with and say, okay, we're gonna give you, you know, 10 bucks um, and you can send it anywhere within Twitter. Um, then if, if you want to ex get it out of the system, then um, okay, well now you need to send it to a bank account. So now attach an authenticated bank account to your, your, your Twitter account. Um, then the next step would be, uh, let's offer an extremely compelling money market uh, account. So you get extremely high yield uh, on your balance. Uh, then why not move cash into Twitter? Great, that sounds like a good idea. Now these are all novel ideas. But how would these ideas contribute to Musk's $1 billion yearly interest payments? The founder of marketing firm Argon Agency, Logan Ray, actually believes it won't be that difficult. I feel like that's going to be easy to me. Um, I'm sure you've seen the reports from like, you know, the revenue that comes through even like Instagram shopping. Um, some of it's taken outside of there, but if it were to not leave the platform, uh, even just in merchant fees, you'll, you'll be able to meet you know, that type of revenue coming in. So it depends on kind of how he strategically partners, what banks he's partnering with, how um, he's intending on charging uh, for advertising or how he's intending on charging for um, transaction. The amount of money Instagram shops generates is estimated to be in the tens of billions. The company makes the money by taking a percentage of all the transactions. Meanwhile, Instagram as a whole generated a whopping $47.6 billion in revenue in 2021, much more than Twitter's $5 billion. And moving on, bad news for American homeowners. In the third quarter, home values dropped at a record rate. The market lost $1.3 trillion in equity. That's a loss of 7.6%, according to analytics firm Black Knight. It's a sign the real estate boom of the last two years is slowing down. The record drop comes after home values reached a record high in the previous quarter. Since May, the average borrower's equity has dropped by $30,000. Despite the drop, though, Black Knight says equity positions are still strong. Compared to before the pandemic, it says the average mortgage holder has $92,000 more in equity. And talking about real estate, co-working space provider WeWork said on Thursday it will exit about 40 locations across the U.S. The New York-based company, which offers workstations, private offices, and customized floors, has been working to curb its real estate footprint and reduce headcount. WeWork went public in 2021 and currently has a market cap of around $1.7 billion. Its pre-IPO valuation was once pegged at nearly $50 billion. The closures are expected to pull down revenue. The company said cost reductions will contribute roughly $140 million to annual adjusted core earnings. The firm, though, did not disclose which U.S. locations it would exit. WeWork expects fourth quarter revenue to be lower than expected. And car loan delinquencies are on the rise. NTD's Char Marshall takes a look at whether it's a cause for concern. Car loan delinquencies are at a 10-year high. Subprime borrowers are getting hit the worst. Those are people with lower credit scores who often have lower income. 
Bank read analyst Ted Rossman filled me in on what effects to the economy auto loan delinquencies might have. The feeling is that some kind of normalization was overdue just because delinquencies were artificially low during the brunt of the pandemic in 2020, 21. People got stimulus payments. There were other accommodation programs available. Unfortunately, there are some vulnerable individuals, people with lower incomes, lower credit scores. Um, so I, I don't think it's particularly surprising, sadly, that some are falling behind. Those pandemic accommodation programs were designed to help consumers who might have lost their jobs to avoid having a car repossessed because they couldn't make the monthly payment. I asked Rossman if this could be a good or bad sign of things to come. It's not foreseeing any sort of credit crisis. Most people are actually doing well. It may not feel that way because inflation's high and consumer confidence is low, but the unemployment rate is in the mid threes. In fact, recently touched a 50 year low. As car loan delinquencies rise, more used cars enter the market. That brings used car prices down. That was one of actually the earliest indicators of inflation. And a lot of that tracked back to the supply chain mess where there weren't as many new cars hitting the market. So used cars became in very high demand. It, we're still not totally in the normal equilibrium there. I mean, used car prices have still run up quite a bit. Here's some loan tips from bankrate.com. If you decide to take out a loan with a shorter term, then it's usually wise to make a larger down payment to avoid costly monthly payments. Also, if you're having trouble making your monthly payment, consider refinancing your loan. Just keep in mind that extending your term also increases the amount of interest you pay over the life of the loan. Sean Marshall, NTD News. President Biden will meet Chinese leader Xi Jinping Monday during the Group of 20 summit in Indonesia. It'll be their first in-person meeting since Biden became president in January 2021. The meeting comes after weeks after she was awarded a norm-breaking third five-year term as the leader of the Chinese Communist Party. The White House has been working with Chinese officials over the last several weeks to arrange this meeting. Biden Wednesday said he intended to talk with Xi about growing tensions regarding Taiwan, trade policies, and Beijing's relationship with Russia. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Adidas has a new plan to save money after splitting with Kanye West, but some critics don't like it. And an art collection sells for a record amount at auction. It was all owned by the late co-founder of Microsoft. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Adidas has kicked Ye to the curb, but not his shoe design. The company cut ties with the rapper formerly known as Kanye West in October after his controversial remarks. However, Adidas owns the Easy Line design rights, so they can sell those sneakers under their own branding. 
Officials say doing so will save Adidas roughly $300 million in marketing fees and royalties. However, some are critical of this move, saying Adidas should drop the shoe altogether because it will still have an association with Ye. Easy products netted about $2 billion worth of sales in 2021, according to Morgan Stanley. The late co-founder of Microsoft collected some impressive pieces of art. Paul Allen's collection was up for auction at Christie's in New York on Wednesday and so far has fetched more than $1.5 billion. That makes it the largest single-owner sale in auction history. Most of Wednesday's biggest sellers date back to the 19th century, like Vincent van Gogh and Paul Gauguin. But contemporary masterpieces also attracted record-breaking sums. More of the collection will be up for auction Thursday night. Paintings by Edward Hopper, Georgia O'Keeffe, and Jackson Pollock are among dozens still left. All proceeds will go to charities. And Americans can mark Veterans Day by visiting a national park for free. The National Park Service is waiving interest fees at more than 400 parks across the country on Friday in honor of the holiday. The NPS is also offering free lifetime military passes to veterans and Gold Star families whose loved one was killed in service. The free passes provide access to more than 2,000 federal recreation spots, including national parks and wildlife refuges. Scientists are teaming up with an Australian brewery to create a smart and sustainable pint. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details. Young Henry's Brewery is working with researchers from University Technology Sydney on a digital brewing process. The experiments aim to recover energy lost during boiling. To fully utilize those uh, raw ingredients, one needs to more water, time and energy for reprocessing. So you see that uh, really precise automation is the key to sustainable industry. According to researchers, the breweries in the study could save between 15 and 130 tons of greenhouse gases annually. If you want to reduce water usage, if you want to maximize um, the amount of heat, for example, that you recover, if you want to try to brew a beer that's maybe carbon neutral or carbon negative, um, you can look at ways to do that with, with the information that we, that we gather. Richard Adamson is the co-founder of Young Henry's. He says the computerized processes at his brewery are the next revolution in manufacturing, often described as Industry 4.0. It's all about adopting computers, automation, and machine learning. There's a lot of talk about Industry 4.0, and that really means integrating things like AI and the Internet of Things and getting these machines talking to each other uh, to reduce the, the, the sort of mundane tasks, I guess, that, that people have to do, but also to provide um, the operators with more data so they can do their job more efficiently. The new brewing method is still being perfected, but bars around Sydney are already showing interest. Hopefully it makes us sell more beer. I think it's always good when any larger company is trying to lead in an economic way. I think it's, it's going to be beneficial for everyone. Young Henry's is also looking into biogases, co-generated electricity, and extending their current use of solar energy. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And that's all from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at NTD.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.